Hey, it's Alan, and I just wanted to let you know that you can now listen to the ongoing history of new music early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you are a fan of a particular artist, you want to know everything you can about them. Maybe you scour things like their official bios, their Wikipedia pages, or maybe read through as many interviews and articles as you can, which is all fine. But what if there's a way to get more? When it comes to telling the story of an artist, it is always best if you get the artist to tell it themselves. You have a better chance of getting the unvarnished truth told from the heart by the people who are actually making the music, which is great in theory. But it is awfully difficult to get everybody in one place at one time, you know, with touring schedules and recording commitments and life. And then they got to be willing to talk. But if there's just two people, it is a little easier. So... With a little bit of wrangling, I managed to get Ash and Jay from USS into the studio. Has their story been told before? Yeah, of course, but not like this. This is USS, in their own words, part one. This is the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. Hello again, I'm Alan Cross, and this is another in a series of ongoing history programs called In Their Own Words. This is where I round up everybody associated with a particular artist and let them tell their story. I've done this with Our Lady Peace and Matt Good and Sloan and Finger Eleven and Kings of Leon and a few others. This time, it's Ash and Jay from USS. And let me tell you something. You were about to learn everything, and I mean everything, there is to know about these guys. Toronto's USS with Medicine, a 2018 single. Let's get started with Jay and Ash telling their own story in their own words. All right, I'm here with Ash and uh, Human Kebab of uh, USS, and, and Ash has finished setting everything up on his table. What what did you pull out of your bag? Uh, this is um, some spinach, parsley, celery, kale juice. This is like a probiotic vinegar drink. And this is just some... Uh, I like nice, deep, deep aquifer water. Okay. Um, that's an awful lot of liquid to be carrying around. But, all right, I want you guys to be comfortable for this because what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time just talking about you and your career uh, separately and together as, as USS. And we'll try and let you tell your own story in your own words. I'm not going to do anything other than ask questions and listen and if i see you're drinking the probiotics if you have to take a bathroom break i totally understand oh. it because uh, well that's what probiotics that's what they do they're our friend all right so ash and um jason or kebab what do you want me to call you either or that's the uh, price you pay for having a handle 
your whole life. We're going to come to the whole human kebab thing in just a second, but I want to begin with you guys at the you know at the very start. So uh, let's start with Ash. So I want to. Where did you grow up? Uh, I we actually we both grew up uh, right where the suburbs meets the countryside. So uh, to the point where north a- of north of Toronto, yeah, it's like right where the top edge of the city ends and the country begins. So there's a fence. On one side of the fence is city. On the other side of the fence is field. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, so it's like um, I was. I actually, I'm actually. I was about to say I was reflecting the other day, but a, it's perpetual reflection. Um, is uh, that the idea of what we are is like just this evolution of polarities, and uh, and so that that was like the very first one, which is you look to your right and it's very you're very confined by suburbia and you look to your left and it's just the horizons are wide and so um that notion of like community and solitude um was was fed like from a very young age so these juxtapositions yeah uh and they run through your life yeah absolutely like i when 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 jay and i met right off the hop he's like man he's like you're the message and i'm the messenger so you what kind of family life did you have just a normal sort of suburban family life um we uh no we we were we lived in like uh we lived in like the well-to-do part of town um my dad did my dad did really well and um i was just one of those like hockey kids that was just getting 10 goals a game kind of thing. So my whole life was hockey. My whole life was playing hockey morning, noon, and night. And, uh, yeah, I got really, really sick. My, my parents got divorced. The empire crumbled. Mm. <laughs> the whole empire fell apart. We, you know, my dad went from being a millionaire to living in a, a farmhouse in Milton, like shoveling, you know, horse crap in a barn kind of thing in like a couple of months. Um, yeah, I got really sick. Um, I was in in and out of hospitals for like six years. I got stuck at at like four foot six, like sixty five pounds. Wait a like, second, you're 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 a very normal looking guy with normal height. What, when was this? That that was when I was uh, when I was about nine nine years old. So I got stuck for about eight years, and I uh, I was in bed. And I was, I was extremely, extremely, extremely sick. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the evolution of how me and Jay got together kind of came from that. Um, I was just alone all the time and just in pain. And I couldn't play hockey anymore. The only thing that I ever wanted to do was play hockey. And so my mom suggested that maybe I should join a play because I just loved making people laugh. And I was kind of a show off. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, which by the way, Robbie Williams had a tour called the show off must go on. And I thought, <laughs> like, and we, I kind of look like Robbie Williams a little bit. Everyone says, who do they say you look like? Oh, Robin Thicke. Yeah. So we got Robbie Williams. Oh yeah. Robin you Thicke. know, now that you mentioned it, I do see it. And so, now that it's seen, it will not be unseen. No. <laughs> but so what happens, Alan, is, is that I, I, I can't play hockey because I'm just this frail, tiny little person, like, and I got teased a lot. Uh, for it and I joined the play and it was a musical and I'd never really sang before Um, and I started singing and I met a guy in the play he was half Norwegian half Sri Lankan and uh, we hit it off 
and we wrote our first songs called I Like Dogs. The only chord I knew, G chord. And how old were you at this time? That was uh, 13, at 13. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, I had a major, major surgery. Uh, I was on tons of prednisone, and so that uh, really uh, triggered like um, mood swings. That's a nasty drug. I mean, it's yeah. a steroid, and it's really important for things like inflammation and, and swelling, but woo it's nasty yeah it, it, it can really uh it can it almost is like induced bipolar disorder uh so at a, at a young age and i was i had to sleep in my parents room i didn't eat for a year i was in a cot uh being tube fed in my nose like i had no friends i couldn't go out i had to so there was a like, lot I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it again sitting here you look like the healthiest guy on the planet well this is this is the um uh this is how I choose to live, to to be uh, as as wonderful as I can physically, because because I've known what it's like to not to be completely like my I had I couldn't walk I couldn't I couldn't I had canker sores all on my tongue I couldn't speak, um, it felt like a colon floss with barbed wire. I'm only pointing this stuff out because when when you come from a place like that you you don't. Um, you have no choice but to uh, love anything that's not that and appreciate it as as much as you possibly can. Okay, you, you see what I mean about going deep, right? Let's pause here for a little music. And as you learn a little bit more about the band, all these songs will take on much, much richer meanings. This is from the Approved EP, which came out in 2011. It's Yo, Hello, Hooray, Every Day. USS and Yo Hello Hooray Every Day from 2011. All right, let's get back to my conversation with Ash and Jay. My brother had a band called Church Bus, and my my stepdad was in a Tower of Power cover band. So oh, okay, that's unusual. <laughs> so I, you know, I was raised on on Men Without Hats and Duran Duran and just and all that 50s pop music. My Polish uncle played, so there was always music, always melody, just melody, 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 and. Um, so essentially, my brother had a band, Church Bus. So just follow me for a second here. The singer of Church Bus was named Aubrey Mintz. Aubrey Mintz's older brother was Noah Mintz. From Head. From Head. So Head became a big influence on me because Noah was, he, he sang such personal songs. His songs were so personal. And at the time, they had won the new music search, the one, one the 102.1 new music search. They beat Hayden, they beat the lowest of the low. And, um, and I was just in love with Head. And then he introduced me to Hayden, Treble Charger, the Killjoys. We just go and all that incredible, like unique Canadian. All um, that can rock stuff. Indie, in the 90s. indie rock music. Yeah. It just, it just came flooding in. He introduced me to, to Beck. He introduced me to um, all these influences that I was just a sponge at the time. Anyhow, uh, I was the bass player in my high school band. Aubrey came to see us play at a little in a little basement in Markham, in this little suburb, the only place the bands could play. And we didn't have enough songs in our set. So I sang Nightmare Hippie Girl by Beck off of um, uh, Mellow Gold, uh, one of my favorite albums ever. And... Friggin, 
Aubrey comes up to me after the show and he goes, you need to kick that guy out of the band. You need to be the singer. Okay. So and that... when you talk about pivotal moments, we just got back from Los Angeles. We were um, what was, uh, the, what... exercising our creativity. I hadn't seen Aubrey in 20 years and I got in touch with him and we went out. He came over, he brought his guitar and I sat down and I just said, that was one of the most important conversations of my entire life. And I, I, I give him like the biggest hug. I can see why. Okay, Jay, let's move to you. Where are you from? <laughs> Stovall, Ontario, Canada. 10 minutes north of where Ash Sorry, grew up. I'm, the name of the town is? Stovall. Stovall, okay. Stovall, Ontario, Canada. Yeah, 10 minutes north of Ash. Um, I grew up when that town was tiny, and now it's exploded and became and has become a uh, suburban commuter's paradise. But um, yeah, I grew up like in a country small town. Um, uh, I played basketball my my entire young life and uh for me I, I feel looking back on it um i think i like basketball because as ash pointed out it has that show off quality to it where it's it's you on a team but it's your chance to really um show who you are and uh i guess it's no uh surprise then that uh, as i went through elementary and uh high school that i uh got onto the student council and i started uh learning how to dj um, I would DJ school events in, in uh, high school and um, I started doing the announcements. I ran for student council president. I switched high schools and went to Markham High and um, always just wanted to entertain people and, and just um, um, I've had a knack for being able to MC and just like host events and convene and uh, it led me to hip hop music. And so I grew up on 90s hip hop and DJing was a big part of that as the four elements of hip hop are and emceeing as well being on the microphone being able to conduct a party um, and uh, I took all that with me um, through all of my school years right to university and while I was at university in Peterborough um, I got asked to join a punk band because uh, back in the 2000s the early 2000s DJs were scratching records for uh, rock bands so um, I was one of the few turntablists on Trent University campus. And so I joined this punk band uh, to scratch. And that was when I realized that I could be in a band and not hold a guitar or a bass or play the drums. And then that segged into another band that I actually started with five of my friends. And uh, I got more and more of a taste for it, of the band life and, and you know, opening for uh, bands in Peterborough that you couldn't even like touch in Toronto but you know student population and your friends come out to the shows you're a promoter's dream when you're at, when you're at college pay us in beer and so when I finished university and I graduated I had high hopes of moving downtown Toronto getting a corporate gig trying to find my way as I was a business graduate um, the doors kept getting slammed in my face everywhere I went because I didn't have any experience of course the classic university graduate quagmire and as a result i went back to my old job at a golf course in markham called angus glenn and i was told about this guy who uh was quirky weird hilarious and nuts on one side of the food and beverage department named ash and i was supposed to meet him and we met loading beer into a beer fridge in the back of the house and he asked me to dj his sister's wedding and then I heard that he was in a band. He heard that I liked to rap. We both played a show at the Drake Hotel as openers for another friend's band. And then that's how it all started. So when was that? What year was that? That was uh, 2004, the summer. 
let's back up a little bit. Ash and Jay gave me a ton of stuff from their personal archives. And that includes this recording of Jay's high school band. This dates to sometime in 1997, back when Ash says he made the transition from triathlete to party animal. And you can really hear the influences of those Canadian indie bands like Treble Charger, as well as groups like Oasis. This is Thread and Ties of Affinity. Ash Schultz, Ash from USS, and his high school band, Thread, T-H-R-E-D. Never released before. Okay, we now have Ash and Jay meeting up while they're working at the same golf course. Coming up next, we'll see how the partnership developed as we continue with USS In Their Own Words, Part 1. This is another In Their Own Words episode of the Ongoing History of New Music. I have Ash Schultz and Jay Parsons of USS telling their life stories. Let's pick it up where they met at the golf course. Well, okay, we'll get there. After the story about the smoothie and the uh, the ecstasy. D- don't worry, all, all will become clear. So, the two of you playing together, a bit odd, even though we were starting to see bands like the White Stripes and the Black Keys, but the idea of a two-person band was fairly new in 2004, 2005. Did you ever think about filling out the lineup to include a few more guys well we um when we met um there was a third member of our band um because jay and i hadn't yet uh he was just on turntables i was just on the acoustic guitar and we had a friend of jay's uh who was a um was just hardcore into the the house progressive house ambient scene in toronto so that's actually how we became who we are uh, in the way that um, our, the third member of our, of our band came from this place that um, there's no such thing as a chorus. There's no such thing as a verse uh, if for anyone who's ever really gotten into progressive house music. So um, putting that in perspective with... Um, you know, going to raves, um, going to parties, being in that scene in the late '90s, which which I was, um, and then Jay coming from hip hop, where you're talking about you know him being the only white guy at a Wu Tang show in like the late in the in the mid '90s, um, he uh, that that aesthetic was never something alien to us. The like in 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 the rave scene, there's the MC and the DJ, and then the same thing in the hip hop scene. So that was just natural to us. Here's more early stuff. This is from 1999, and it shows Ash's infatuation with artists like Beck and Wu Tang. This isn't USS. It's a group called Quicksonic, and the song is Funk Flash. Ash from USS in a pre-USS band called Quixonic from 1999. We'll take a, a brief detour here. I was in Singapore with you guys. Yes. Uh, a number of years ago, and there's an event in September called, uh, this was in May back then, it's called Music Matters, and there's this big festival in an area called Clark Key. 
and you were there to perform and you plugged in your gear and what happened? Well, because we um, were new to the whole Asian travel and experience, we underestimated the uh, power situation when plugging in our North American electronic gear. And not only did we blow the fuses in our main electronic instruments, um, we also uh, blew the breaker at two different clubs. And so we had to DIY it and go back to our roots where I was uh, Ash playing acoustic, me just scratching on a record player that wouldn't spin anymore and our drummer behind us playing the beat that normally would be on the other laptop. But uh, we can do it. And there was one other incident that occurred in Singapore, which was the end of an era for our band. Um, starting in about um, 2008, I was uh, a, a full-time roofer, musician by night, and every day after work, I'd make a smoothie uh, just to get those electrolytes in, protein up. Uh, and I didn't have time to make this smoothie. I had a show at the Cameron House. And so I just loaded all my stuff into a bag, brought it to the show, brought all the stuff on stage. And then mid-song, just while I was singing, I just made this smoothie. And then I had too much. So everyone started coming up. I started pouring people this smoothie. And it just sort of stuck. It just became this thing that we did at every show uh and um so uh yeah when we got to singapore the blender actually like caught on fire and started sparking and smoking and i got mildly electrocuted on stage and that was like the the, the grand finale of of the uh of, smoothie era yeah so 220 volts versus 120 volts um you got to be real careful with that voltage conversion. Because, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it gets a bit weird sometimes. I actually, um, uh, one other footnote, I was, it's just in Hamilton the other week. I went to see one of my new favorite bands called Dilly Dally at the Casbah. And uh, it reminded me of the story when Jay and I played at the Casbah, left the stage after I had made the smoothie. And at the time, I was visiting a lot of monasteries, very, very heavy, heavily into meditation. And uh, we left the stage, crowd yells encore, we come back up, there's some dudes in the front row yelling yelling for me to finish the smoothie. So I take the blender, put up to my mouth, chug the rest of the smoothie. Uh, just after the band is loaded, I'm sitting against the wall, just, you know, uh, reflecting on the evening, when all of a sudden I... There's a term in uh, in Eastern in in, in uh, Eastern meditation language it's called satori, which is like a flash of enlightenment. Uh, and all of a sudden, I went, "Oh, I'm like it's happening." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm here. I'm like I, I'm like I did it. I'm like this is enlightenment. And I was I was one with everything. I felt this this these waves of joy and and peace and. And all of a sudden, I realized in the van that someone had spiked my smoothie with ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't sleep till the next night. And um, I had, I just remembered that story when I was at the Casbah. And that, when, when you don't know you're on drugs, uh, it's a very fascinating <laughs> experience. <laughs> Okay, let's go back to the beginning. So you guys meet at the golf course. You meet at whose sister's wedding? So my sister Your needed sister. a DJ for her wedding. Right. 
at the same time that Jay had heard about me, I had heard about him. And so uh, it was at exactly the time my sister had put me in charge of the music for her wedding, which was on an island just up north. So um, I went, we wound up serendipitously meeting in that freezer talking about mid-90s hip-hop. And um, I asked him if he'd DJ my sister's wedding. So we went and spent like three days on this island and uh, it was it was pretty obvious that uh, there was like a Voltron situation that was like piecing itself together. So when did the band officially start? So January 2005, um, Ash came over to my parents' house in Stouffville and uh, it was a freezing cold winter and um, he told me that he wanted to make dream surf drum and bass music. So basically like Buddy Holly at a rave. Yeah, because I was really into, like, 90s, like, Bad Company, DJSS. Um, the song that changed my life was, um, it's actually, I don't even know if you can find it on the internet. There's a band called, uh, DJ producer called Dread Bass. He did this remix of Bittersweet Symphony in the, in the sorry, in the um, mid-90s. And I heard that, and I said, that's what we're, that's what I need to do. We need to take, we need to bring melody to the robot like we need to bring a heart to the robot because they we, they, they don't people don't understand they don't understand each other people you know what i mean and and so i i just i was like i love oasis i love nirvana i love beck i love the tragically hip and i want to take all of these things and i want to bring them bring them to electronic music and then of course all that beautiful 50s melody and that simplicity now we found that dread bass remix of bittersweet symphony so we can hear the song that Ash says changed his life. Here's something from 2003. The group is called Team of Captains. This was recorded at the Cameron House in Toronto. It features Ash and Jay and has never been released. And you can start to hear that coming together of sounds that would eventually coalesce as USS. This is called Om Sweet Om. Again, that's Team of Captains, which is a pre-USS band that featured both Ash and Jay. All right, back to the interview. So the name. Yeah. Okay, when I first heard of you guys, which would have been about 2005, 2006, I had a hard time remembering what USS stood for. So Ubiquitous Synergy Seeker. That requires a little bit of explanation from a existential point of view. Mm-hmm. Okay, hold on. Let me just put my. Uh, I'm just going to download my succinct app into my mainframe <laughs> brain. <laughs> um, this whole experience, this whole experiment of being alive, uh, has been this ongoing series of expansions and contractions, and um, and just not judging the experiences, uh, but just to say that. Um, I've lived in the extremes. So in that way, uh, I was at the time I was working in a, in a factory on an assembly line and, um, I was, uh, 
I was majoring in the dark arts, if you will, so aptly described. And I, I woke up every morning. I was just, I was, I, I would say shame. I say I was, a, I felt embarrassed and ashamed of myself because I knew, um, I knew what tools were in my toolbox and I knew I wasn't opening my toolbox and using them. And I was, I was just being incredibly lazy and I wasn't serving, um, what I, I wasn't serving my abilities. Uh, I just decided to write out a list of like, okay, who, who are, who, who, who do you think you can be then? You know, who is this person? And I wrote it out, uh, like a script and there was a, uh, in a dictionary in the encyclopedia in the shipping and receiving office and um like i come from a family of academics and like phds and stuff so for me to be working in this factory was was not serving my aptitude but it's the route that i took the easy route why i would say that uh are you in in psychology there's something called learned helplessness if you study um, developmental psychology, and when I was referring to my childhood, um, generally, for the most part, people either become overachievers or they become victims as a result of traumatic experience in childhood. And in my case, I went towards the victim side of things and that learned helplessness. And as soon as you get introduced to weed, well, then you become a huge pothead and then... Um, there goes your ambition, there goes your ability to be organized, there goes all those kinds of things. And that just sort of, it's fun for a while and it's cute and yeah, wake and bake and all that stuff. But it, it, it really didn't uh, serve any kind of growth. Was there a moment, like a moment of clarity? Uh, this epiphany? was that moment because I found the word ubiquitous and I'd never heard it before uh, when I opened that dictionary and it said everywhere simultaneously. And... At the time, I had been given some books on Eastern philosophy, and I had started to because all my I had was raised in the in the Western medical world, right? So everything was very cause and effect, very scientific. Yes, um, and I'd only ever approached health, wellness, and balance from that perspective. All of a sudden, these new doors opened, and I I, I, um, I see this word ubiquitous, and so I was wrapping my head around like everywhere simultaneously that just that concept and that is what flashed sort of before my eyes because what they were talking about in this book was how every seeker is going to laugh at themselves at the point where they realize that everything they've been looking for is actually like it's the the piece that you're looking for is underneath everything that's piled on top of it so the name ubiquitous synergy seeker is actually a paradox because how can you seek something that's ever present but that's the journey. So this is like a manifesto. Uh, essentially. And I can tell you that in 2008, when our song Hollow Point Sniper Hyperbole won um, Best New Song and we won Best New Band uh, on a dare from one of our closest friends, Brian McKenzie, uh, who dared us to record our best song and give it to everyone that we could in Toronto. Because again, that learned helplessness playing small we we did it we recorded the best song we had which was hollow point sniper hyperbole in 2007 and we put it out there and in a matter of months it was number two on the charts and i'm standing at that award show and i thought back to that list that i made in the factory and it was i was standing inside of the life that i wrote down and wrote ubiquitous energy seeker as the title of the character 
the character that became you or you became that character yeah okay the person that I got up in the morning and looked in the mirror and I smiled instead of saying I hate you This is part one of another one of these ongoing history in their own words autobiographies. And this time I'm speaking with Ash and Jay from USS. As you can tell from the clock, we've gone really, really deep. We are only now ready to start talking about the first EP, Welding the Sea Drive. Now, where were you, Jay, in all this? So, <clears throat> Ash, when he first started hanging out with me, we ran into each other at a bar in 2004 and he handed me his business card because uh, he was only on um, payphones at the time. Uh, uh, MC, so while, I call myself MC he Payphone. He was MC Payphone. And he handed me his business card and it said, the ubiquitous synergy seeking Ashley Bouchultz, B-O-O-S-C-H-U-L-T-Z. And I was like, this guy is so bizarre. And um, But it stuck with me. So when Ash went solo... And he became Ubiquitous Synergy Seeker. He asked me to rejoin forces with him in April 2007, which at the time I was working in the oil fields in uh, northern Alberta. I just returned from Fort McMurray. And he said, do you want to join forces with me? I'm doing this show in the Junction in Toronto at Seltz Pub. And, yeah, that's right. And we reunited... And it was so much fun because we were playing the songs from 2005. Yeah, yeah. We had started that band in Stouffville, yeah. which was called Team of Captains. And so we started, we played this show. We played those old songs. In fact, we played Hollow Point Sniper Hyperbole that night. And it felt so good that we were both back on stage with the acoustic guitar, the mics, and the turntables that um, we said, okay, let's do this. So um, Ash started compiling all the content that would make our first record weld in the C drive. And uh, that summer, we put out that record, um, and uh, we played the Gladstone Hotel, sold-out CD release party, all of our friends and family, maybe some fans. And it was really exciting. You know, we had this little team around us, we had this record, but we were still that Toronto band that was pounding the pavement. So then I went back to the oil fields. This time I went up to Cold Lake, Alberta, and uh, to help build a pipeline on an air weapons range. Ash went down to Texas to meditate. And to just basically, you know, we both like needed to do, you know, we needed to work to make money because Toronto rent is high, but we still were riding the momentum of, you know, this little record coming out, but we knew that we had to like take a break and then we just had to be patient. We had all the right tools in the toolkit and we just needed to go away. And it was in January of 2008 that we got the call, Ashton, Texas, me and Cold Lake, Alberta, that... Uh, 102.1 The Edge was talking about our album Welding the Sea Drive and we both got so excited and then we found out that Hollow Point Sniper Hyperbole was going to be the single that was going to be added into rotation at 102.1 The Edge and we were asked to fly home because now we were gonna, going to open for Bedouin Sound Clash at the Sound Academy. So this would be February 2008. So in the span of two months with both of us not even being in the province of Ontario, um, everything that Ash had written out on that list now became this new life. Like suddenly we have an agent, we're getting radio play. Now we've gone from Toronto to Sonic in Edmonton, to the zone in Victoria, British Columbia. Uh, Completely organically. 
Yeah, right, just DIY. Well, I do remember when that EP came into the into the building for the first time. A guy by the name of Barry Taylor walked it in. That's right, Barry and Taylor. And he says, I've, I've found this band, and I think we should pay attention to them. It's, okay, fine, Barry, whatever. I mean, we get, you know, hundreds of releases every single week. And he put it on. I was like, wait, wait a second. Where did this band come from? And how did they emerge so fully formed? And we remember being very taken aback by the maturity of this record for something that was independent and a first time out. So I'm not surprised that it went so big, so quickly, so organically, because it deserved to. It was a really good debut record. And uh, all right, so we're going to watch these guys, see what happens with them. And you start playing around, I guess, start building a fan base, start doing some touring at this point. And then what comes next? Questimation? Yeah, so 2009. So by the end of 2008, everybody's looking at us like, you know, what's USS going to do? And I mean, Ash has got like songs and parts for days. And we had we had started to play songs that would end up on Questimation Live because when you're a band starting out with a five-song EP, how do you do 45 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half as a headliner? That's what blows my mind now about everyone saying, oh, people don't listen to albums anymore. We're just going to put out singles. How are you going to play a show? Well, that's the problem with a lot of bands that are going on <laughs> what tour are you these gonna days. Do? They got yeah. one song, or they've got five songs. That's right. So at the end of two thousand eight, um, we hunkered down. Um, actually, Ash buried himself in a friend's studio in Etobicoke to finish what would become our only full length record, Questimation. And actually, I will never forget this. Um, January two thousand nine, um, the first single off that record was a song called "Laces Out." And I went to the studio mm. to see Ash and uh, Matthew Von Wagner, rest in peace, um, who produced and engineered the record alongside Ash. And I said, Ash, we need the song, we need the master copy of Laces Out because we got to deliver it to 102.1 The Edge. And at the time, Martin Streak, rest in peace, was the point man that we would physically bring a copy of the CD to so he could bring it into the studio. And... Uh, Hours went by. We were just about to miss the deadline, and then Ash finally gives me the copy, which I have in my shoebox at home to this day. Marks January 2009. Laces Out became the single of that record, Questimation. USS with Laces Out, a single from their 2009 album, Questimation. I hope you're enjoying this In Their Own Words episode of the ongoing history of new music featuring Ash and Jay from USS. On part two, we will go through the rest of the band's catalog, sprinkling things with the odd demo and side projects, stuff that really hasn't been heard anywhere up until now. I hope you can join me for that. Remember that we're converting all these programs into podcasts. You can get them for free wherever you get your on-demand audio. iTunes is the main spot where people seem to go, but there's also Spotify and Stitcher and Google's podcast library and more. Rate, review, and remember to subscribe. We're posting new podcasts every week. I can be found on my website if you want more information about what's going on in music. It's a ajournalofmusicalthings.com. It's updated every day and always comes with a free newsletter if you want to keep abreast of what's going on. You can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Google+. And, of course, all email can go to alan at alancross.ca. We'll see you next time for part two of USS In Their Own Words. Technical Productions by Rob Johnston. I'm Alan Cross. 
You've been listening to the ongoing history of new music podcast with Alan Cross. Subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. 